This is an AMI podcast. Her love was entire as a child's, and though warm as summer, it was fresh as spring. Welcome to AMI Audio Book Review. I'm Ramia Amudin, the host of the show, here with Nizreen Abdel-Majid. And let's start, of course, with the quote that you heard at the top of the show. This quote is from the book, Far From the Madding Crowds by Thomas Hardy. And it's a little lovey-lovey, and that's because we're featuring romance quotes at the start of each show for February. You know, I really love this themed stuff because some of these books are going to be classics. Some of them might be just uh, kind of a judge a book by its quote moment for you and you think, ooh, I might want to go check that out. So we are providing here on AMI Audiobook Review. Let's, of course, start with the featured titles on the CELA Library homepage to kick things off. CELALibrary.ca is where you go. And we start with Our Darkest Night by Jennifer Robson. This is a multicultural fiction category. The second one on this featured titles uh, part is Their Plant Eyes by M. Leona Godin. And this is a blindness and visual impairment category. And the last one of the featured titles is Danger in Numbers by Heather Graham suspense and thriller novel. And we talked a little bit about this last week if you want to check out um, some of the details. Nizreen, very quickly, we want to go over mm-hmm. to you for what's trending. Yeah, so one of Canada's top trends is hashtag Black History Month. The 2022 theme for Black History Month is, quote, February and forever is celebrating Black History today and every day, end quote, which focuses on recognizing the daily contributions that Black Canadians make to Canada. On audiobooks.com, they listed a collection for Black History Month. We start off with An American Marriage by Tiara Jones, The Great Stain Witnessing American Slavery by Noel Ray. Next book is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. I've heard of this one. I heard it's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hunger, A Memoir of My Body by Roxane Gay. Barracoon, The Story of the Last Black Cargo by Zora Neale Hurston. And the last book I will share with you is The World Doesn't Require You by Rion Amilcar Scott. You can check out the rest of this list on audiobooks.com. They have a great selection. And here are some ways you can honor Black Canadians this Black History Month. I thought this would be great. So you can donate to Black-led organizations that support anti-racism and Black communities such as Black Lives Matter Canada and the Black Legal Action Center, Black Health Alliance, and the Black Youth Helpline. You can also support Black business owners, artists, and creators. You can participate in online events and attend virtual Black History Month celebrations, such as there's a Black History Month virtual celebration on Facebook Live at 7 p.m. February 17th. You can check that out. Uh, This is Eastern Time, so 7 p.m. February 17th. Uh, this live virtual event highlighting this year's theme will feature performances, tributes, and interviews, and much more. So you can have some fun with it. There's a lot to do here, so that's great. So happy Black History Month. 
Yeah, the the book recommendations are great because, of course, we tap into content, um, history, uh, learnings, all kinds of things when we know that there's a theme going on for Example, last month when it was World Braille Day to kick off January, mm-hmm. um, we knew that there were so many events and happenings throughout the month. We were keeping each other posted on that within the Blind Low Vision community, of course, and allies. Um, but it's just it gives you the opportunity throughout the month to kind of tap into these resources. And I think, you know, this time last year and this time the year before, there was a lot to talk about around Black History Month. There was a lot Absolutely. going on in our yeah, in our environments and um, socially, politically, there was just so much going on. There still is. And we don't want to lose that momentum. So take February, rip it apart and take some time to check out some of these um, books, go and visit some of these uh, events and happenings that are going on virtually or not, support some local initiatives in your communities. There are lots of ways for you to take part. So thanks for sharing those, Nazreen. And of course, we're going to you know highlight more books, recommendations and topics around Black history throughout February. So looking forward to that on the show as well. This time, we like to press pause or play. Very fun uh, time of the show when we uh, go through a book, either from the featured list category on Sila or another book of choice, and you get to tell me whether you would press pause or play. So today we're going to feature Scarborough by Catherine Hernandez. And this was a release from 2017. It's a Canadian fiction written by a Canadian author. And I want to get right into the synopsis. You'll know the significance of why we picked this book a little later in the show. But here we go. Scarborough is a low-income, culturally diverse neighborhood east of Toronto, the fourth largest city in North America. And like many inner-city communities, it suffers under the weight of poverty, drugs, crime, and urban blight. A multitude of voices tells the story of a tight-knit neighborhood under fire. Among them, Victor, a black artist harassed by the police, Winsome, a West Indian restaurant owner struggling to keep it together, and Hina, a Muslim school worker who witnesses firsthand the impact of poverty on education. And then there are the three kids who work to rise above the system that consistently fails them. Bing, a gay Filipino boy who lives under the shadow of his father's mental illness. Sylvie, Bing's best friend, a native girl whose family struggles to find a permanent home to live in. And Laura, whose history of neglect by her mother is destined to repeat itself with her father. That's the end of the synopsis I have for Scarborough. Now we'll go around the table. Nizreen, starting with you. Pause or play on this book? Output play. I will play this because uh, I feel like this is a real life situation here and it it grabbed my attention just from the first sentence. Yeah. Uh, growing up in Toronto as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's very feels- uh, relatable. Exactly. Feels pretty firsthand. Uh, going over to our friends from Sila, Teresa, pause or play on this one? I would play this one. Okay, very uh, quick reaction. And Karen, over to you. <laughs> I know that you, you you grew up in Scarborough, so I'm just like, 
I'll totally play this one. <laughs> okay. Did you grow up in the city, by the way? Uh, no, I've actually lived in Toronto for the past uh, like 14, 15 years or so, but I grew up mm. uh, down in Niagara. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, a different start for you. Um, for mm-hmm. me, it pulls at my heartstrings, but I'll let Karen go next. Karen, pause or play? Absolutely play. This book has had so much buzz about it. Um, and the premise is really interesting to me. And Catherine Hernandez is a fantastic writer. So that would be a definite play from me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just hearing the voices, right, as the book put it, the different characters going through what they're going through um, is enough to pull people in because you just have so many different perspectives and so much diversity, which is really what I know Scarborough for, um, having grown up there. It's just, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm also like I would definitely press play on this and I would also look for all the little details, the streets, the neighborhoods, the intersections, the schools, the uh, restaurants, the the kind of vibe that Scarborough brings me when you're just walking through it. I would be looking for that in this book. So I also think that this is a, a great choice. And there's a reason why I chose it today, but uh, we'll get into it in a second because we want to start with you guys, uh, Karen and Teresa from Sila. The CELA news and announcements that you want to start with, Karen? Yeah, so we've got some really interesting things going on. So uh, the Canada Reads shortlist was just announced just last week, and there's five titles on the shortlist. So the first one is Five Little Indians by Michelle Good, which actually won the Governor General's Award for 2020, I believe it was. Uh, And it's being defended by uh, Christiana Lair, who's been on Canada Reads before, and who's who's fabulous. So I'm looking forward Mm. to, to seeing the Canada Reads debate. So the second book is actually Scarborough by Catherine Hernandez. Uh, and that's being championed by Malia Baker, who's an actor and an activist. And then we've got um, What Strange Paradise by Omar Al Akkad, which actually just won the 2021 Giller. Uh, and that's being championed by uh, a former Syrian refugee. And it's the gentleman's name is Tariq Haddad. And he is one of the families who started the chocolate business out in Atlantic Canada and actually there's a book written about that as well so um, I'm looking forward to it yeah it's called Peace by Chocolate which I think is fantastic so they brought their recipes from Syria when they came Um, so we actually have the Peace by Chocolate book in our collection as well but I just I love that they've got all these sort of diverse champions that have stepped up to talk about these books and, and debate the content and then there's another book called Life in the City of Dirty Water by Clayton Thomas Mueller which is a it's a memoir from a Cree environmentalist, and it's being defended by Suzanne Samard, who's actually an author herself. She's on the West Coast, and she wrote about trees and how they communicate with each other. And she's had, she's actually mentioned on, I think it was Ted Lasso, she was mentioned on. Anyway, um, hmm. she's been having a cultural moment herself, but she's really interesting. I've watched some of her interviews. And then the last one is Washington Black by S.A. Edwin. I hope I said that right. And it's being defended by Mark Tewksbury, who was an Olympian and he's an LGBTQ2 plus advocate and activist and, you know, a well-known Canadian, especially if you're, if you're of the age that I'm at. So um, it, it looks like it's going to be a really interesting conversation. The theme for this year is uh, one book that connects us and it's all about community. And there's lots of ways to participate. So CBC Books has set up a Facebook group for those who want to read the books and talk about them together. And then once the debates arrive, which happens March the 28th to the 31st, you can watch them on CBC TV, you can watch them on CBC Gem online.
2.9. It'll be live broadcast on the radio, on CBC Listen and on CBC Books. There, there's tons of ways to, to participate. Uh, and there's usually lots of chat on Twitter and Facebook about the debates and the conversations. So it's just a really, I, I love it. It's one of those sort of moments where the country can kind of come together and talk about what yes. we want to hear and what's meaningful to us and hear these diverse perspectives and hear people really passionate about about books and about communicating around some of these really important stories and that it's it's a really diverse group of books and a diverse group of of champions and so uh-huh. yeah I'm really looking forward to it yeah it's totally diverse the list is uh fantastic and I love the thank you for giving us the background on who's championing each book as well but also just that it's from all over Canada right you get the city you get the east you get the west you get the indigenous perspectives you get you know the modern perspectives like there's a little bit of everything going on yeah and the books are um pardon the pun they're really accessible right like there's they're they're the mm. kind of books that you're going to want to read sometimes some of the awards are a little bit esoteric like they you know they pick books you're kind of like really that's what you want us all to read but this one this Canada Reads I think does a really great job of choosing books and choosing folks to defend those books that are really engaging so um if you haven't participated in it before I highly recommend it it's a hoot and all the books are available on, in SELA in a variety of formats and so you can you know you've got what two months to read them all and uh most of these books have either been award winners or have been talked about for quite some time so Lots of folks will have read them already or will know folks that will have read them. So I hope it starts some really interesting conversations. Awesome. Uh, this is really, really great. Thank you very much. And uh, now, do you want to talk about Freedom to Read Week? Yeah, I'll just do this quickly. So this happens every year at the end of February. This year, it's February 20th to 26th. Um, and there's been lots of talk about banned books recently, thanks to some prominent news stories in the U.S. But we've also had books challenged in Canada or had Canadian books challenged elsewhere. And so this week really is about helping us recognize how important it is to be able to read and celebrate our freedom to read. Um, it's organized by the Book and Periodical Council of Canada, which includes um, a variety of different organizations related to to authorship and writing and publishing and libraries and sort of that whole kind of reading ecosystem. And so the Freedom to Read website, which is actually freedomtoread.ca, has a listing of events. It has a listing of books that have been challenged in the past. But you can also check out your local library. Often libraries will do something around this, a book talk, or um, they'll feature books that have been, been challenged or been banned. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I just think it's a really important thing. There was a there's an interesting article in the New York Times, I think it was a week or two ago, about an author who read a book and, and was really disturbed by the book as a child and then read it later as an adult and realized he'd completely misinterpreted it. And he was so grateful that he'd been able to read the book and then reread it. And he talked about, you know, books are really an entree to compassion and connection and to understanding one another and mm-hmm. when folks try and take those books and and you know hide them away especially from young people um it's often an effort to disconnect us from one another and so um he had a really interesting kind of take on that so uh i just i think that it's really important for us to to realize how lucky we are to be able to read the books that we can read without yeah. censorship and without oversight yeah. And literally be able to go down the list of things that at one point were banned or even still, um, you know, are considered, you know, don't read these and be able to read those. I think it's incredibly important that every year we still celebrate uh, Banned Books Week and uh, Freedom to Read. That's awesome. So 
Thank you for sharing this news. And now, of course, highly anticipated the contemporary romance lists that you and Teresa are going to be sharing with us. And these are the feature titles that you have for us this month. Teresa, do you mind telling us what qualifies as a contemporary romance? Like what makes it what it is? Yeah, so um, contemporary romance, as it suggests, are books set at the same time of the writing. So the books, the contemporary romance books coming out right now feature people from different ethnic backgrounds, sexual orientations, and beliefs. You know, personally, I I find that there's more to relate to in contemporary romance than, say, like a historical romance. But that being said, they are still romances. You have to take a little bit at, at faith here. There may be a bit of stretching <laughs> storylines, you know. And, you know, I just think that they're enjoyable to read. Um, you know, I'm not too sure where you guys are on the pandemic scale of one to, you know, I've totally given up. But a fun <laughs> read may help, you know. So right. I'm all for this. I'm all for contemporary romances. They're, they're lots of fun to read. I'd love for you to give like actual descriptions, each of the numbers from one to I've totally given up. That's hilarious. Um, but, but, Next podcast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You'll come with your scale. No, but it's it's true. I think that it's nice to kind of get away from some of the serious stuff, like pandemic or not, right? Sometimes you go through um, binging a lot of serious content, a lot of nonfiction, and then, you, you know, once in a while you go... I think I'm just going to sit down with the contemporary romance for a second. It's like the same yeah. feel as a rom-com. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So is there like a flip side? Well, I guess that's what it is, right? It's that it's a little bit of a stretch um, yeah. from reality. I think the, the flip side to contemporary romance is because it's so of the moment, it could date itself eventually. You know, other yeah. contemporary romances written, you know, 40, 50 years ago, will seem really out of date, especially right. um, in where women are placed. So I mean, things like these could could really date themselves. I hope not, because I think it's great how diverse contemporary romance has kind of become in terms of mm-hmm. the people that they feature. Yeah, so that's that's one of the flip sides of it, yeah. Okay, so let's get to some titles before I have to let you go again. So Teresa, tell us about While We Were Dating. Ooh, okay. So while we were dating is by Jasmine Guillory. Um, it's about this guy named Ben and a movie star named Anna. And you know, Ben, he likes to keep things cash. He's got a bit of family drama happening, an important job in advertising. He's the kind of guy, he goes on a lot of, you know, one-off dates, but you know, nothing committed. You know, all these things keep him really busy. And one day his firm lands an important job involving our movie star, Anna. And she's doing this big advertising campaign, hopefully to launch her career and get her a great new movie role. She's pretty laser focused on her career, but then, then happens, they flirt, they like each other. And then there's a family crisis, which brings them closer together. And the question is, will they take this to the next level? Ah, I guess we're going to have to read it to find out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm liking the theme of this. Karen, uh, how about red, white, and royal blue? I like the sound of this one. Yeah, it's actually a really, it's a fun book. So it's written by Casey McQuinston. 
Uh, it's the debut novel. And at the beginning of this book, Casey says that it was it started as just a fun project after watching the actual 2016 election. So the book is centered around U.S. politics. The main character is a, a young man named Alex Claremont Diaz, and his mother is the president of the U.S., and they're in their re-election cycle, so they're starting to campaign for the next election. And the sort of the marketing machine behind the election has decided that Alex and his sister and the granddaughter of the vice president are kind of like the millennial marketing team. So they're out in front and center. They're having all these conversations in public and online about, you know, the, the political things. But they go to this royal wedding and Alex sort of has words with his arch nemesis, who is Henry, the Prince of Wales in, in um, England. And it causes, you know, upheaval with the U.S.-British relations. And so in order to fix this, the, the marketing machine behind the campaign decides that they're going to have a, you know, a very public but somewhat fake friendship evolve on Instagram. So the friendship actually grows deeper and you can kind of see where this is going. So it becomes more authentic for both Alex, who's male, and Henry. And they soon sort of find themselves hurtling towards kind of a secret romance. And so mm. um, it's an LGBTQ title and it's quite um it's quite tame there's some racy bits but you know you kind of expect that in a romance novel so both of the characters have to come to terms with who they are outside of their public persona how much they want to reveal about their inner selves in order to be authentic in their public persona so there's that the sort of conversation about how to balance that it's really tender it's very heartwarming it's romantic sexy it's fun it does kind of touch nice. on some broader themes that you might find in a U.S. Uh, in a book that uses the U.S. election as a backdrop. So it weaves in some politics, some ethics, some, lots of conversation about duty, which I think, you know, is something that we talked about in, with regards to the British royalty kind of in general. But the book is really meant to be lighthearted and fun, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. And readers really should bear that in mind, because if you go in with the mindset that this is going to be some sort of interesting insight into politics you're going to be disappointed it's all about the fun <laughs> and the relationship right so there's been some really great reviews about it um lots of people say that's hilarious that it's tender that you know that it's romantic and witty so I, I think that you know if this is the kind of thing that you want for a, a moment of escape from some of the deeper things that are going on or even some of the deeper literature that we talk about that deals you know head on with a lot of really heavy stuff this is a lot mm. of fun that's awesome. And it's kind of what you were going back to what Teresa was saying. This is what highlights it as contemporary. You you see the political backdrop. You see um, the diverse conversations that we're having more and more and seeing everywhere, right? TV, yeah. books, movies, whatever. And uh, that's what makes it a contemporary romance. Okay, but thanks for giving us the disclaimer. This is not a serious book. Okay, now the next one, uh, actually, Amir Khan, who comes on the show, highly recommended this one and absolutely loved the whole series. But this one is The Heart Principle. Teresa, tell us about it. So The Heart Principle is um, third book in the Kiss Quotient series. But each book can actually be uh, read independent of each other. So this is a great one if you just want to pick it up. You don't have to necessarily start at the very beginning. And so this book uh, follows a young woman named Anna Sun. Uh, she's a violinist. And, you know, one day, boom, as it seems to happen with a lot of people nowadays, one of her YouTube videos goes viral and she finds uh, a lot of success. But, you know, of course, things aren't always perfect. Anna finds herself not only, you know, burned out from the success, 
But her boyfriend comes to her and says he wants an open relationship before making a commitment. So, you know, I would like to present the audience with your first red flag. And of course, like anyone would, Anna says, well, you know, if he wants to, quote unquote, be open in our relationship with everyone, you know, so will I. So step in a tattooed motorcycle riding Juan Diep. They try several times to uh, connect in quotes, uh, but it's just for whatever reason, it's just not happening. And Anna finds herself feeling more than one night stansy with him, especially mm. with, and I'm not even kidding you, a family tragedy strikes. <laughs> so you have to pick up the book to, to read it. <laughs> Red flags and all. <laughs> uh, it seems to be a theme in the books that I pick, that there seems to be a family tragedy that brings these characters closer together and, you know, challenges them whether they want to, you know, make that commitment to each other. Why is it always family that gets in the way, huh? Like, oh, no, they, it's always they the always, case. Yeah, they're not safe. <laughs> in contemporary romances let me tell you <laughs> yeah i guess that's what makes it juicy you guys thank you so much we're gonna have to wrap here but those are three contemporary romances plus all the other recommendations you've of course given throughout the this show appreciate you so much and we'll catch up with you in march sounds great happy valentine's day sounds good thank you thank Bye. you Karen and Teresa joining us from Sila Library. And of course, if you go to selalibrary.ca, all those books that they talked about are up there as well. That's it for AMI Audiobook Review for this week. We'll catch you with another episode next time. And until then, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.